Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver. And I'm Specialist Anna Grace Cato. And today we have a special guest. I'm going to let him inter- go ahead and introduce himself and then we're just going to get right into it. So I'm Sergeant Corey Uten and I'm the uh, NCIC of the medical training team and state 68 whiskey manager. If you know 68 whiskeys, combat medic. Okay. Is it still called a combat medic? Because I remember at one point you guys were saying that they changed the name. Yeah, they, they changed it. It's a combat medical specialist now. Okay. Yeah, I so, don't know why they're trying to change everything to a specialist. Well, so we used to be a uh, healthcare specialist mm-hmm. and combat medics. It depended on where you land in your MTO, what you were. So I think they just took the two and combined them together. Gotcha. So. Is there other MOSs in the military for medical that's not 68 whiskey or is everybody 68 whiskey oh no there's plenty so the 68 whiskey is a, <clears throat> it's a very versatile mos uh, we do a lot but there are other mos's and asi's out there it's just like flight medics they're still 68 whiskeys but they have that additional skill identifier that you know puts them in that uh in that elite per se of medics and then you have uh, LPNs, so you can become an LPN, which is a different um, identifier, 68 series, and then there's uh, all the way down to patient admin, med supply. So we basically have our own, um, you know, how you have your 42 Alpha. We have a patient admin, which is a 68 series MOS in its own. We have medical supply, which is a 68 Juliet. So there are different. Uh, MOSs, and then once you go outside in the National Guard, and you get into active duty in the reserves, which have more support MOSs versus the National Guard, you'll see a lot more, um, you know, cardiac technicians, uh, things like that, that are secondary um, additional skill identifiers for the 68s. Okay. So is it kind of like you enlist as a 68 whiskey, you go through all the training, and then once you go to whether it's your duty station if you're active or your unit if you're reserve or guard, um, there's just additional schooling that you can go to. Like, do you have to apply for it? Does there have to be an opening? Like, how does that work? So some of them are like that. Um, <clears throat> I know for a long time, flight medics, you when you came in, you know, they were they were trying to get people that had experience being 60 whiskey and already had their paramedic card on the civilian side, certain certain things like that. I know that's how we were doing it in the guard. Um, but there was a lot of people I went to AIT with in 2010 that were going to be LPNs, but they had to do the 68 whiskey program first. And then they went on to Mike six, which was their um, additional skill or their SQI. So it, and it changes uh, over medical MOSs. The MOS stays the same with the additional skill identifiers. They, they come and they go all the time. Uh, especially as we transition through operating environments. Like when we ended the the global war on terror, that changed a whole lot of things for the medical world because that's how we've been, you know, we've been operating under the same mindset, under the same umbrella for 20 years. And we realized that, hey, we might, you know, <clears throat> we might not need some of the things that we've been operating for for our next conflict. Like, We've relied heavily on dust off in the global war on terror in the Middle East and uh, our next conflict, you know, the futures and people that are way smarter than I am, make way more money than me, um, are like, hey, we might not have air superiority in our next war. So let's start thinking about making 
ground medics, uh, more critical care equipped and knowledge and equipment. And so now we have an additional skill identifier for uh, what's called DECM or delayed evacuation casualty management. So it's uh, basically prolonged field care. Uh, so sitting on a patient for 24 hours, whereas before we didn't, we didn't have that because, you know, if we sent up a nine line 10, 15 minutes, you either had dust off or you had Pedro or uh, one time we had a, um, a British uh, helicopter land in hmm. Kazovac, some people. So uh, that was when I was in Afghanistan. But, yeah, so it, it, it's ever-changing. But the big MOSs stay the same, and that's why I say the 68 Whiskey is so versatile because we can plug and play. Uh, so we get that baseline knowledge, and then we can plug and play. We can either be uh, with the infantry, how they're sleeping in the tents, or we can be in Mecha Man, you know, giving immunizations or – you know, we could be running EKGs or we could be, you know, out there giving Band-Aids to the engineers when they, you know, hit their hand with a hammer. <laughs> However, it's so versatile. And it's basically, it's like you said, uh, sometimes when you get to your unit, if there's a vacancy or a hole to fill, you know, they'll be like, hey, you're going to go to this course. A um, uh, big one that gets pushed around a lot is the uh, is the immunization course. Uh, course so every 60 whiskey can give immunizations as long as they go through their yearly training immunization training uh that's pushed down by big army but there we have an actual um additional skill identifier for an immunization coordinator it's a couple week course that they could go to and so we push people out of that it's kind of like going to uh you know mrt things like that if if the unit needs it they'll push you out to it kind of thing or like the flight medic unit you can apply and get into it or you can be invited into it and sometimes I've, I've heard of people on the active duty side they'll join with that uh in their contract you know and their their recruiters probably uh know somebody who's pretty cunning and can get them a, a slot a flight medic unit and get them in the school to start off with but that's it's pretty uh that didn't happen a lot so mm-hmm. usually you kind of have to uh know what you're talking about and prove yourself to get to that because it is the the elite of the elite of medics basically so with um the medics training and all that you're talking about a yearly certification do the 68 whiskeys regardless if they have all these other identifiers do they have to do any type of annual training to keep up with certain certificates and stuff like that but also, too, does their civilian, if they work, like, in the civilian sector, whether it's EMS or in a hospital or, or anything like that, does it transfer over to the military side and vice versa, like, when they do the military training? So we do have a biannual um, civilian certification that we have to keep up with. So the National Registry of EMT, whether you be um, – whether you are a basic EMT, advanced EMT, paramedic, those are three levels <clears> – <throat> Yeah, we're responsible to have, at minimum, a National Registry EMT basic. They give that to us. Uh, we take that – well, I say they give it to us. We, <laughs> we earn that. We take that test, uh, that, that really difficult uh, test at AIT, and it's a requirement to be a medic. It's a requirement to sustain it. So we have that biannual recertification period every two years on the 31st of March. So actually we're coming up on it now. Um, that we have to meet, we have to meet certain requirements, certain hour requirements, uh, based on modules of learning, whether it be trauma, medical, uh, special populations, uh, OBPs, things like that, that we have to meet. And it varies 
based on what level of certification you are. So as you climb in certification, as you go from basic to advanced to paramedic or critical care, your requirements change, um, and it's based on the type of care that you will be providing. So paramedics uh, have to have more um, pediatric hours, more airway hours, more cardiac, so they take classes like uh, advanced life support, uh, pediatric life support, pediatric advanced life support, things like that to satisfy those hours because they are the more, uh, I don't want to say uh, critical or more knowledgeable because there are so many EMT basics out there that have, you know, such a uh, such a vast knowledge basis. I don't want to say knowledgeable, that's the wrong word. They, they have a, their skill set is more advanced, per se, and what they're supposed to know and, and what they're supposed to do versus what they do know. Um, so we do have that. And then as you go into flight medics, they have a critical care certification, uh, flight paramedic certification. Those things have to be recertified as well. Uh, theirs on different timetable. I believe it's four years they have to do theirs every four years, and they have to meet it. And it's the same with us. There's so many civilian certifications out there that um, that we can obtain and through the military and through the civilian side. And that was one of the questions you asked. And that's something that's become really big over, I'd probably say, the last six years, seven years, is interoperability between civilian and military. So before we were 68 Whiskeys, when we were uh, 91 Whiskeys, 91 Bravos, whatever, um, whatever, 90, I don't remember. I wasn't I went in there. I was always a 68 Whiskey. Uh, they didn't earn a National Registry EMT certification from AIT. They just got the the medical training, and they became a combat medic, and, and they moved on with their life. So they had nothing to take with them um, as far as going to work in the civilian world. So if you were active duty, it's okay. It's cool. Like, you could do your job, but what happened when you retired or what happens if you're a National Guard or Reserves, you, you still had to go back through the same training that you just went through. Uh, and you're probably going through less training on the civilian side. It's more intense, you know, you know how we do in the military. So it's more intense. It's more focused and in-depth. But uh, they changed that, and there's still a few people out there um, – that were a part of that, that are still in. Uh, most of them are retiring, but they all transitioned over, got their national registry as a requirement. And um, now everything pretty much talks to the civilian side. Should it be higher than an EMT basic certification? I, I think so. I think that we should be able to at least test for the EMT advanced certification because the the knowledge and the skill set of a 68 whiskey far surpasses uh, what is what is required of an EMT basic 68 whiskeys. Um, for a long time in the state of South Carolina, uh, paramedics, critical care nurses, they couldn't crike, uh, do a crike on a patient. And that's something that, you know, 68 whiskeys are taught to do blindfolded, basically, um, for the last 25 years in GWAT. And there's a difference. Uh, I don't think that they should be paramedics. Uh, I mean, if you are a paramedic, like if you go get your paramedic, that's awesome. I don't think we should be able to test for the paramedic, but at least the advanced certification and then move on from there. Okay. So you were saying that before it was 68 Whiskey, it was, you said 91 
series? I'm, I'm pretty sure it was 91 Whiskey, 91 Bravo. I, th- I don't want to say 91 Bravo is a, like a wheel vehicle mechanic. <laughs> Maybe it's 90. Well, they've changed so much over the years, too. And now they're merging MLSs and all that stuff, so God only knows what it is. But um, when you enlisted, so you said you were always a medic. So you enlisted as a medic. Yes, so I came in as a 68 Whiskey. And a uh, fun story, my recruiter just retired last year. Um but fun story, I was 17, and I knew what I wanted to do with my life, and uh, I wanted to be a firefighter. And I was. I was a, uh, a junior firefighter in Camden, South Carolina, in Kershaw County, and that's what I wanted to do, and that's why I wanted to listen to the military as. So there were no slots. So my recruiter was like, hey, man, like, you know, get you this medic you know everybody's kind of cross-trained now like he had it he had the speech man he gave me the speech (laughs) and uh, I believed him and I am so thankful for that because uh, I'm here today because of it and I ended up loving medicine ended up really enjoying it but he was like you can transfer later you know when you get in we'll get you MOS we'll get you transferred later down the road and uh, I think about probably about five years ago the opportunity came to transfer and I was like "Mm, nah um, yeah, I came in as a medic. I ended up um, loving it. When I got out, I was working at uh, the fire department. I went to work at EMS, and that's what. Um, so I've been doing is some sort of variant ever since. So for the past twelve, thir- almost thirteen years. Yeah, that was going to be my next question: is um, what made you decide to be a medic? But I think that's a great story because. Everybody's story is different, and it's crazy how one little thing can change your directory, but it's the best decision that could have ever happened to you. Oh, absolutely. And, it, you know, it's funny because I argued with my recruiter. I remember sitting there and um, sitting in the house and talking, you know, mom's all nervous, you know, baby boy's trying to join the Army. <laughs> and, you know, dad was in the Army back uh, during Vietnam, so dad understands. Dad's just being quiet. And uh, letting the recruiter do his thing. Mom's like, you know, take care of my baby. Better take care of my baby. (laughs) And uh, I actually argued with him. I was like, I don't want to do anything medical. Um, I had a bad experience with the fire department on a call uh, when I was kind of younger. Probably shouldn't have been there. Um, And uh, I was like, I don't don't know if I want to do this. I don't don't know if I want to do medicine. Medicine doesn't appeal to me. I was like, I want to fight fire. (laughs) I want to walk inside buildings. I want to put water on fire and I want to leave <laughs> and he was like just hear me out this is all we got like unless you want to you know be the infantry and I was like it does sound appealing but this is going to get me closer to what I want to do and so that's how I chose it and I ended up loving it so so how did that leave you to becoming full-time in one of the because you're kind of like an instructor with the um What's the course that you guys do? So the medical training team, uh, we have the 60 Whiskey Sustainment course, mm-hmm. which is 12 days, a charge-driven course now. And it is what uh, it's what gives medics the hours and certifications to meet their civilian national registry recertification. They get CPR, which is a requirement. They get um, the difference out, different hours and various tables they need to meet the Army's requirements as well. So I'm the NCOIC now. Um, I know the last time we had talked, I was the chief instructor. Just kind of, you know, same same game, different name. Um, I kind of moved more into an admin role with that uh, as I took on a 
the training NCO for a medical command as well. Um, so I kind of moved more into an admin role with the medical training team at CC Whiskey program. And I kind of, you know, I've been doing this for, I started in 2017 uh, when, uh, so let me back up real quick because it, I'll start, I'll start jumping around. Um, in 2016, the Army mandated training, uh, per se. The way we do it now uh, has to be, you know, you have to have some kind of Army training. Before that, you could just recertify with your civilian education. Um, if you were at EMS, you could use your hours that you, you got from going to trainings there. But the Army mandate in 2016, because there was so much fraud, that we start doing our own training. Plus, it you know, it kind of makes sense because what you see on the civilian side is, is not necessarily what you're going to see um, on the battlefield or on the military side, right? So on the civilian side, I'm not really worried about hot weather injuries as much as I would be at annual training here, you know, things like that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And I kind of strayed away from the question uh, a lot, <laughs> and fine. I'm sorry. No, that's how this works, though. Like, we might start with one thing, and it can lead to another, so you just never know. But, um, no, I just think it's cool because, like, when you first enlist and everything, like, when I enlisted, I never thought that I was going to be full-time. Like, I've done ADOS orders, I've deployed, and now I'm a technician. So, like, you don't you don't realize those opportunities when you first enlist, and it's just cool to see how your journey goes. So, I was just curious to see, like, how you got to that point because, I mean, that is a huge huge deal i mean your face is always if it has something to do with medical your face or your name is somewhere so yeah, you're very i went uh, <laughs> i went from being somebody that nobody knew uh in, what in a company is. to mm -hmm. uh somebody told me the other day uh they were talking to general jones and uh he said that uh he said i was a good guy or something like that and i was like general jones knows me like yeah. oh they call us by our first names like it's fun it's yeah, crazy it's, you know you, you just don't you don't understand the amount of reach that you have when you do something like things like this and I, i've been doing it now since 2017 and i started out and how i started out i was actually um i was uh eight also uh 251 on the c2cre mission i was the uh i was a medic but also handled um the chemical equipment, uh, C-burn equipment, which uh, is terrible. If anybody's ever had to do that, you have to do inspections on the gas mask. And, <laughs> and by the time you're done with all the inspections, you have to start the inspections over again. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was my life for a while. Uh, so we had just um, kind of made the transition back to, you know, Med Command becoming their own in MSC versus being a Joint Force Headquarters and all that. So, so we really started, um, you know, hammering out inspections and things like this so the command was coming down to do inspections and i was um i used to smoke and uh you know they say everything that, that you know you meet the best people of your life at a smoke pit i don't know if anybody's ever heard that but i was out back smoking one day and um the msc was there to do an inspection and there's this guy standing there smoking and we just got we just got chatting he was a medic as well and he worked at uh he was a fed tech at med command and he was talking about this, uh, this program he had started. You know, the Army had mandated uh, classes, and that, and this is what he was doing. This is what he was hired to do. And I said, oh, man, that's cool. Like, you know, I uh, I teach on the civilian side. You know, I've always had a, a big interest in teaching. That was uh, before I joined the military. I, I was going to become a teacher, a history teacher. Surprise. Um, love history. But, um, yeah, we just we just got chatting, standing back there, but... Um, 
out back of the armory at the, at the smoke shack. And um, he's like, hey, you know, I know you're busy with the Cree mission and you're here and there and everywhere all the time. He was like, but here's my dates. Tell me when you can come help. And um, so I'm not doing anything this week. Let me talk to my, my supervisor make sure she's cool with it. And uh, she's like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, go help. And so I went and talked for the first time, and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Um, I kind of like this. And then I, I kept going back to help. And then uh, the C2CRE mission was coming to an end, and uh, some, you know, uh, Adolf's money was drying up. You know, they're taking all that away from you. And um, I got an offer from Med Command to come on to a full-time order Adolf's to instruct um, and help with this, uh, with this course. And so I started, and in 2019, um, the guy that had recruited me, he had become AGR in, in that two years and the position we were in, and he um, he left. He went on to do better things. He actually went to uh, Fort Bragg. They have a, you know, Mystic and bigger programs there, and he was going to run as a civilian contractor, and he got to grow a beard and all that <laughs> stuff, you know. So that's what he wanted to do, and, and he did it. So I um, had actually come off of Adolf's orders, and I went back to work at EMS. And I, I was um, – I can't remember. I, th- I think I was the best warrior, actually. I was providing med support, and uh, my first time walked up to me and handed me a set of orders, and he said, hey, congratulations, you're coming on orders until we can find a replacement for this guy. I said, okay. I said, he said, are you going to apply for it? I said, I don't know. I said, I really don't know. Um, I, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I don't know if I'm ready to uh, leave EMS yet and and all the stuff I was doing out there. I was like, I still have a lot more time and a lot more things that I want to do. And um, I thought about it a lot, and I sat down. I was living in Charleston or down that way, and um, – you know, jobs up here and my daughter is up here. So I was like, you know what, this is probably what's best for us. So I applied and I boarded and I, and I got it in 2019. And so I've, I've been there ever since and, and just constantly growing, uh, this thing, this, this idea, this, um, started as, you know, I remember in 2017, we would, uh, me, me and the other guy would go around and, we go to Fort Jackson to the Army Reserve Center and uh, talk to the medical unit there and just be like, hey, y'all have any expired supplies that y'all are going to throw away? And uh, they'd be like, yeah, there's a trial full back there. Y'all mind if we go dive through it real quick? Like, <laughs> And we're just finding stuff to make this class work uh, because it was still in its infancy and uh, it was still basically being trialed. And so I've just – we stuck with it and we've grown it to um, – astronomical links in comparison to where it was started in 2018 um this uh this last physical year we we had a um uh, profuse cadaver lab which and you know is a a huge accomplishment that's just stuff that you don't you don't see in training man that's like it's good stuff and uh you know it's just kind of actually it's kind of humbling to to think about it you know um, five six years ago, we were we were diving through trial walls to get expired supplies to to make class happen. And then last year, we uh we had North American Rescue here giving a profuse cadaver lab. So yeah, that's uh that's how I got on that. I just kind of it just kind of fell there. You know, the the stars aligned perfectly, 
and uh, they have ever since. Has it been easy? No. Uh, it's been a lot of rough days, you know, that, and that comes with the territory of, you know, everybody, everybody knows you, you're the face of, you're the face of medics and, and it's kind of, I never wanted to, I never wanted to be that. Um, I just, I love teaching and what drove me through that first, uh, block was there was nothing like this when I deployed and, I was 20 years old and I hit the, my boots stepped onto the dirt of Afghanistan with the thought process that the army gave me everything I need. And it humbled me really quickly. So I set a, you know, like a personal goal to make sure that I did it then. Anybody as I grew as a leader um, that fell under me that I would, I would not allow them that to happen to them and then the stars aligned perfectly for me to be able to do it statewide and uh have people with me uh, a team that has a very similar mindset so yeah it's awesome to hear those kind of stories because like i said before everybody comes from somewhere different and like when i enlisted i was an mp and somehow that led me to public affairs which is what i really wanted to do but um the way that it lined up, like it gave me all of these experiences and opportunities. So I love that you're here telling us your story because I think before we really didn't get into that a lot. I think it was just more of like medics overall and the training that you guys do and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one thing you did mention that I did want to ask is best warrior. That's one of our like biggest events of the year. Um, we're always out there. You're always out there. Um, well, the medics are out there because they're there as medics, but then also you guys run lanes and stuff like that. So can you kind of talk about the dynamic of that? Because, I mean, it is a big process. And um, typically the medics, as far as that I've seen, haven't really had to do too much real-world stuff, except for last year I remember somebody had to get an IV in the field, and I was, like, amazed. Because, like, you see it on TV and stuff, but unless you're around that all the time, it's you're not used to it, and it's yeah. kind of cool to watch. And then this past um, Best Warrior, when they were doing the peagle sticks and stuff, and I think two people got hurt, and, like, their shoulder was all messed up and stuff. And, like, just to see the reaction, and you guys just go into full medic mode and just, like, it's just like a switch. Like, it, I, I kind of yeah. want you to talk about that <laughs> dynamic. Uh, it is, it is a switch, honestly. Like you go from, you go from, Hey, we're just watching the pugil sticks to, (laughs) I think that guy's shoulders broke. Like, you know, and then you go, you go, you go into, uh, algorithm mode. Like, Hey, you know, I gotta do this, this, and this, and this. All right. He answered this. We're going here. We're going over there. Now we're going down. Like, and that's just, yeah, that's just how it goes. So, the I'll start with the the beginning of your question, the best warrior. Uh, yeah, we, we, we do it every year. Um, in the beginning, we intertwined the uh, the medical support and the medical lanes, and we did them both. Well, I say in the beginning, in the beginning when I started doing it, and it was just it was just too much, um, especially with the with them staying in the field. Um, I remember, God, I remember. I think it was 2018. Um, we stayed out there in the field with them, and we had a with a female medic. I was supporting with us, so we let her sleep in the FLA, and uh, she ran it and ran the heat all night long. And me and me and another guy slept in one of the connexes out there at the mount site. And I, 
I've never been so cold. And uh, <laughs> so I was going through my aid bag and I was like, you know, we got these, uh, these heat blankets in here. And so I get these, these heat blankets out and it's supposed to be like eight hours. It's like a ready heat blanket. It's like eight hours of warmth. So I flip it out and I put it in my sleeping bag. It lasted for like two. And I was like, <laughs> oh, was it one of those expired ones that you? <laughs> no, no, it was actually in date too. It was just so cold outside that it. Um, and then I, you know, science tells you being inside of a metal box is probably not smart when it's so cold outside. But mm-hmm. you know, I didn't think about that then. But yeah, we so we eventually broke it off into two things, uh, two separate entities, but the same, right? Uh, because providing med support for such a. Um, God, that's such a that's such a huge event. Like, there's so many moving pieces, parts and pieces everywhere. You're going to the range here. You're going to the range there. Uh, you're going to be here. You're going to be at the swim pool downtown of USC. You know, last year they did the Claymores. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't do that this year, which I thought that was the coolest part. But you know, I like <laughs> I like when things blow up. But uh, you know, and and this range needs to be hot when um, the soldiers are moving from this range. So we want this range to be hot right time they step off the line on this other range so in order to be hot you got to have a medic there but you got to have a medic back here oh by the way we're doing a 12 mile ruck march in the morning with a memory challenge at the end of it um and we need you know three medics here here and here and somebody following and you're just like oh man when you actually start to like dive down into it um it's a lot Uh, it's pretty simple like if you're just you know i don't want to say as simple as a competitor because i'm I, my hat's off to anybody that does that. Like, you know, good job. Uh, I I applaud you and appreciate you. I don't want to put my body through that, you know, <laughs> torment for that many days. Maybe maybe 10 years ago, but not now. Um, but when you actually start, like, trying to do a medical planning for it. So any time that we get a uh, mission, per se, or – we get tasked to do something that's providing med support. Our first job is to basically come up with a um, uh, health sustainment, health system sustainment annex for an op ward, basically. So it's basically like, okay, what, where are we going to be? What's the environment like? What kind of injuries may we see? What kind of equipment do we need to pack? Is it cold? Is it hot? Do I need drip drop or do I need, you know, hot hands? Like, all this, all these things play into a factor or a factor into this. And then when you take it and you're just constantly moving from A to B to a swimming pool where, you know, you don't know if any of these people can swim or is he just, you know, can he swim? Can he not swim? Okay. He got in the pool and he's not swimming. He's sinking. All right. Uh, you know, things like this, it just, it just makes this animal, um, so, so challenging. And every year, I think for the last three years, um, it's been run separately from the med support. I still uh, help help them and, and still assist them and kind of, you know, um, I'm just there more for um, a, what, what do you call it, just bounce ideas off of, just kind of uh, more of the mentor side of the house now. Mm-hmm. Um. And they, the, usually it's M-Day medics. Uh, some of them are fed techs. And they, they, they run the show, and they run it really, really well. Um, and then we go into the med lanes, which is a beast in its own, especially now in the last few years when we've had the introduction of the expert skills badge. 
uh, or um, was it expert soldier badge? I said skill badge. Um, we've started to model the weapons lanes, 218 does, and the med lanes off of the ESB standards uh, because uh, hopefully, I, I hope, and, and I don't know this, so I can't say for a fact, but hopefully we're working towards the goal of uh, being able to award that at the best word. That would be awesome. Um, I know there's a lot of changes with skill badges and things going on right now, like EFMB and all that, but that really changed the animal up a lot too, uh, from a med lane into a, uh, actual combat lifesaver lane. And then over the years of doing it, we've broken it down and we've shredded it apart and we said, how can we make this better? How can we make this more realistic? And now we have inside of the med lane, you have three lanes, uh, and it's your three phases of care. So you go in, you take that contact, um, you know, you, you render care under fire, just like the, the phase is called. And then you pause X that and you move to the next lane. The next lane, you'll pick right back up where you left off in tactical field care. And then once you're done with that, you know, you treat your patient in that tactical field care environment and place those more deliberate interventions uh, you pause X at, you move on tactical evacuation care, and you pick back up right where you left off. And you call in an online, you mark an LZ with a smoke grenade, you know. All this is happening while uh, there's so much background noise going on. There's smoke, there's already sims, there's a 50 cal going on. There's somebody, shooting, you know, there's op four shooting at you with blanks. You're shooting back, you know, with blanks. And it's, there's so much going on, uh, so much chaos the entire time. But that's what we want because it's not going to be um, it's not going to be calm and quiet, you know, like we used to train back in the day. All right, you just come in. Oh, my buddy's got shot in the leg. Here's a tourniquet. Put it on him. You know, which is which is still good. But you have to train like you fight, and um, you know that's why we move towards that and towards the um, the ESB standard. You know, because. All walks of life come to, or all walks of jobs through the military come to Best Warrior. So we can't obviously, you know, we can't make it too, um, I don't want to say we can't make it too challenging because that's a pretty important part. Like, I feel like if you're the Best Warrior, you should you should know how to save your best friend or, you know, anybody's life. Um, so we just we just uh, follow the TCCC guidelines. So before we kind of wrap up, because, I mean, we have been talking for a while, and I'm sure we could talk for hours and hours because, I mean, the stuff you guys do is pretty cool and interesting, but is there any advice that you would give to those who are listening that maybe be either interested in becoming a medic or reclassing or just joining in general? Like, is there just any information that you would give those listening or watching? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, you know, we've had plenty of people that have reclassed from other MOSs become medics. Um, and, and <clears throat> a lot of them, really good medics uh the reclass school is there and if you want to do it just you know just be like you know just do it um it might be scary but it's it's not you know it's not that difficult of a job uh but i will say that you uh you have to be a special kind of person to do this job so before you make that decision to uh jump career choices and jump mos's make sure this is really what you want to do uh, go to your local uh, EMS agency or your local fire department, shadow them for a day. Um, ask to do a ride along and uh, just ride along. See if you like it. Um, if you think it's something that you're going to do, jump into a head first and don't look back. Um, 
it's a very rewarding career and a great career. Um, but you, you definitely have to, uh, you definitely have to want to do it because it's, you know, when you're out there and, and you're actually being a medic, you can't, you can't just show up, you know, half ready. Um, cause you're, you know, you're dealing with people's lives. So, you know, if this is something you want to do, uh, you think you may want to do it, you don't know, go talk to your local fire department, local EMS, do a ride along. If you like it, just jump head first into it and, and do it. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy day. I'm sure that you have a lot of stuff going on and hopefully we can get out to some of your classes so we can get some footage because we've done some stuff in the past with you guys and we've created some really cool products. So if you haven't seen those, go check them out on YouTube and kind of see what we're talking about and actually what they're doing in real life type situations. So um, again, thank you. I'm sure we'll see you around. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you guys like this video, make sure you, you give it a big thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button and we will catch you guys in the next episode.